The Year of the Do Some of It Mom by Tori Rask. I went to the office supply store for printer ink and also a few things one would think a normal family would have on hand, but apparently we do not. Sharpies, tape, a stapler, and paper clips. How did we not have those things? In the center of the main aisle, right by a tower of on-sale store brand copy paper, was a display of 2020 calendars. The first to catch my eye was a unicorn and kitty calendar. I stopped to have a closer look in case it might be time for my daughter, the queen of kindergarten, to have her first calendar. Right next to the unicorn and kitties was a calendar for the do-it-all mom. On the front was a cartoon rendering of this diva of domesticity, a figurehood of femininity, the pinnacle of what society and the media, social and otherwise, shout at us that we should be. Just look at her standing there looking so serene and also a trifle smug. She is clothed in strength Dignity and an outfit that is not sweats. She is crowned by accomplishment and a coiffure that is not a messy bun. She's wearing blush, mascara, and earrings for crying out loud. Her infant is asleep in her arms, despite the fact that the dog on her leg is most likely making a racket. Her mini-me is similarly dressed and coiffed, neat and tidy, and looking just as smug as her mama. In past years, I would have looked at this calendar with longing and been tempted to snatch it up. I need to be her, I would have thought to myself. I need to get it together. My family would be so much happier if I were this do-it-all mom. Not this year. This year, I took one look at that calendar and one word popped into my head. No, just no. 2020 will most assuredly not be the year of the do-it-all mom in my house. No, in our family, 2020 shall be the year of the do-some-of-it mom. That's me, the loud and proud do-some-of-it mom. The truth is, I've spent most of the past years of motherhood chasing the dream of being the do-it-all mom. Sometimes I've succeeded, and sometimes I've failed. And to be honest, neither result felt all that great. When I failed, the outcomes were exactly as you might expect. The house was chaos, other people had to handle my stuff, and I was left chiding myself over my failure while gazing longingly at others' Instagram feeds, thinking how happy their families must be with their totally organized and efficient selves. When I succeeded, however, that's where I found the unexpected. When I somehow managed to do it all, when I remembered everything, and when nobody else had to lift a finger around the house, I was just as unhappy as when I failed, sometimes even more so. You see, the more I did, the more my work became invisible to others. The more I did, the more others expected me to do. The more I did, the more those around me checked out a family life and started to consider other things more worthy of their time and attention. The more I prioritized the well-being and happiness of others over myself, the more they let me. Like most moms, my own happiness was not my main goal. So my own feelings of satisfaction were a barometer I could have ignored. The weird part, though, was that my family seemed happier as a whole when I was failing at being the do-it-all mom than when I was succeeding. Still, I convinced myself that was a fluke and kept pushing on toward the goal. Last summer, however, I pushed myself so hard that a little cold turned into a lingering cough, which turned into bronchitis. After a stern talking to from both my mother and my aunt, never make the sisters worry about you if you know what's good for you. I forced myself to slow down and stop trying to do it all. I let my husband handle the dishes for an entire weekend. 
I let my kids struggle to clean their rooms all by themselves with no motherly matching of their efforts. I said no to friends and gasp grandparents who asked to see us during our few free moments. My children's random stuff languished on the floor of the living room until someone other than me tended to the tidying. I'm still not entirely sure who. I'm not going to lie. It was terrifying. I'm a raging and rampant Enneagram 2, which means my gift and passion for serving others is matched only by the depth of fear that if I stop serving them, they will stop loving me. But guess what? We all ended the summer and rolled into fall happier and in better shape as a family than we had ever been. My kids started to assume more ownership for the running of the house. My husband was tuned into the daily routines and chores, which allowed us to function more as a team and be better connected. And what's more, they seemed to appreciate me more than when I was doing everything. Not only is that important to my heart, it's also healthy for them to learn to build an appreciation for those who serve them and make their lives work. So in 2020, I'll be the do some of it mom. I'll be the pick and choose mom who chooses activities and commitments for the family based not only on the husband's and kids levels of fatigue and enjoyment, but mine as well. I'll be the let others do it mom who doesn't feel guilty if the household members do some, if not most of the housework. I'll be the speak up for myself mom who doesn't sigh and move on when my requests and stated expectations go forgotten and ignored. I'll be the remember-it-yourself mom who encourages and expects family members to make their own lists, mark their own calendars, and set their own alarms and reminders in their phones, watches, clocks, or whatever tools they have at their disposal. I'll be the we're all in this together mom, the shared responsibility mom, and the my people love me for me mom. Check back with me in 2021, and I'll let you know how it went. In the meantime, I will not be buying that calendar. I think maybe I'll go with unicorns and kitties this year. Tori, thank you so much for sharing this piece with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so people who have been listening to the podcast might have caught your previous essay in this series. And um, so I'm going to let them go back to that for the intro to your family. But for today, I'd love for you to talk about uh, one of your personal strengths or your secret mama superpower. And it could be silly or serious, but what would you say is one of your personal strengths? Well, one of my personal strengths, um, <laughs> I've said in this essay that I am an Enneagram 2. And so one mm -hmm. of my strengths is knowing my people and being able to anticipate their needs, which is a huge strength right now. For example, in the season of transitioning my daughter to kindergarten, I tend to be pretty intuitive mm -hmm. and can watch her and kind of figure out what's setting her off and what we can do at home to provide her with more stability and, and fill her cup. But the downside is that I can spend so much time anticipating my people's needs that they just expect that and don't learn yeah. to anticipate their own needs or take responsibility for that. And so yeah. that is kind of um, a little bit of what this essay is getting at is that, you know, of just like with any, you know, you see your general superhero, a lot of times they've got a weakness, their strength also leads to the weakness. And that is definitely the case for me. So learning to manage both. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, I would love to know what is your favorite household chore and your least favorite household chore? I don't know that I have a favorite household chore because I am not. Some people 
are spiritually gifted when it comes to housekeeping. They yeah. love it. They are good at it. They write blogs about it. They have tips for it. I am not mm-hmm. one of those people. Um, yeah. I am learning that I do much better if, for example, I empty the dishwasher first thing in the morning and have a you know and have mm-hmm. a clean kitchen to work in. My husband, bless his heart, cleans up the kitchen in the evenings, but then there are the clean dishes. So yeah. I'm learning that those things are important. So maybe I would say that's my favorite, but, um, my least favorite are just, I mean, anything that is repetitive and never ending, <laughs> which, is, which is all of it. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. It's never done. Yeah. There's never that, you know, you get the sense of accomplishment for like five minutes and then boom, you know, it all needs to be done again. So I might say cooking. I do enjoy cooking. I probably because I enjoy eating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, man, it's I'm getting better at it, but I still haven't gotten to the enjoyment place yet. Okay. Well, that's totally honest. And I love that answer. Okay. So my last question for you is how do you find, create, or cultivate peace in your home? Okay. This is actually a big one for me. In my previous life, before I had children, I was a classroom teacher for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so I had my own elementary school classroom and I found that creating calm in the classroom just set everybody up for success. And so I would do that. We do a lot of music around here, a lot of calm music, Um, making sure spaces are tidied up. Uh, My own spiritual practices are enormously important to kind of keeping me on an even keel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gosh. And do you have just... Just a peek into what those might be. Do you have time for prayer or time for a particular kind of spiritual practice? You know, I just a couple different things. Um, I wrote a piece for Kindred Mom last year mm-hmm. about learning to sit and just create blank space mm-hmm. that I'm not necessarily filling with things, even with prayer. Just learning to sit in silence, which creates a sense of peace. It slows everything down. And it also gives room for God to speak back to me. One thing I actually just finished early doing the Bible in a year, which I did almost entirely by audio. I used the audio function on the YouVersion Bible app. And so I've really found that as a mom who's with a lot of busy work to do, being able to listen to scripture while I'm folding laundry or whatever, um, really not only builds in the time for that, but it has, um, it has created an appetite in me for scripture. I'm not reading as much right now in the Advent devotional I'm doing and I miss it. Mm. So those are two things that are just really key for keeping me on an even keel. And also being fiercely protective of my kids' rest level and making sure that they're not that they're not getting overly stressed and overly tired helps keep things peaceful and strong on our family foundation. That's great. Such good tips. And Tori, thank you so much for sharing this piece with us today and for sharing a little bit about your life and family. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 